You're listening to Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. I'm Travis Harrison, joined by my best friend, Ben Weir. Ben, we've been talking a lot of football lately, and now it's finally time to talk some basketball. Yeah, hopefully we can remember how to play basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the NBA is back, and boy, how we have missed it. The league's best teams have reloaded. The league's worst have cleared the shelves just for a shot at a 7-4 freak, and there's drama wherever you look. Ben and I are going to preview the upcoming season and each team's chances heading into it. We start off over in the Eastern Conference. In many ways, it was the Atlanta Hawks who kicked off the offseason chaos after sending three first-round picks to San Antonio in exchange for DeJounte Murray. After a season in which Trey Young and the Hawks were unable to repeat the heights of the 2020-2021 campaign, it was clear change was needed. And Murray represents change. He also represents a new backcourt partner for Young one that can help cover the franchise's stars' defensive frailties while also allowing one of the NBA's best three-point shooters to play off the ball a little more often. Atlanta has often been criticized for its relatively one-dimensional offense. A similar criticism has been made of Young, who to this point has run that above-mentioned offense. If Young can accept a hybrid role that looks a little more like what Steph Curry does in Golden State, then there's no reason for this Hawks team not to win a bunch of games in the regular season. Keep an eye out for A.J. Griffin, who was drafted with the 16th pick of the draft. The Duke product shot the three at a 45% clip in college and went 7 of 11 from deep in the preseason. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think they're going to be a dark horse of of the East for sure. Getting another playmaker like Murray, I think, is going to help Trey Young. And and you said it. If if Trey Young could kind of get out of his head and get out of the mindset of it's me or nobody else, I really think this could be a, a pretty decent team. They've got a lot, a very good young core, a very good young starting lineup. If he could just get outside of that mindset and, and play as a team, I mean, I think that Murray trade is going to be huge for them and, and could pay off really well for this year. Well, they're certainly not the only contender to go through a tumultuous offseason. The Celtics are the only one that'll be without their head coach. We all know what happened with Imi Adoku. What we don't know is what it'll mean for a team that was teetering on the edge last season before their head coach turned it around and guided them to an NBA Finals berth. In terms of the roster, there's a case to be made that Boston will be better this season. The addition of Malcolm Brogdon will obviously help with the Celtics point guard troubles, while the core group that got the team to the big dance is still there. If you're looking for reasons to worry outside of the whole Yudoku situation, you'd look at Robert Williams, who won't be on the court for a while, and what comes out of the Jalen Brown situation. Brown was reportedly in Kevin Durant trade talks this offseason and is expected to hit free agency in 2024. The 25-year-old was arguably Boston's best in the postseason, so any fraying of the relationship between player and organization could be something to watch. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting team to see if they can do what they did last year. With all the offseason turmoil that they went through, a a lot of talk. I know their head coach now gone for the year. Uh, Brown, like you said, being in trade talks. I mean, Smart was another one that I know that the Nets really wanted in the trade talk. So, like, how well will this team play together in spite of all that? I mean, they've definitely got the team to beat, I feel like, in the East if they can if they can gel and play like they did last year. I mean, they've got a great defensive team. We'll just have to see how big of a impact this is for this offseason that's happened to Boston. LaMelo Ball is just about the only reason for Charlotte fans to smile nowadays. And even he's injured as the Hornets head into a season with very little expected of them. Miles Bridges was scheduled to collect his bag of money this offseason and return to Charlotte, but instead faces the prospect of prison after being arrested and charged with three felony charges for alleged domestic violence. 
Bridges has pleaded not guilty, but it's hard to imagine he'll be back on the court this season or ever. With 7-4, Victor currently squished in the pot at the end of the tank rainbow. There's a reality where this Charlotte season starts poorly and rides that rainbow road to the best lottery odds possible. In an Eastern Conference that might finally be stronger than the West, Chicago looks a little stuck in the mud. In terms of talent, the Bulls aren't quite there. And that's before you consider Lonzo Ball is out and has made some truly concerning comments about the condition of his knee. DeMar DeRozan was a man possessed last season, and the Bulls were a really good regular season team when everyone was fit. But the conference has only gotten stronger, and no ball means a lot of pressure falls on second-year guard Ayo, who is expected to start at point guard. Alex Caruso missed a significant amount of time last year and will help on both ends of the floor, but this year could be a struggle for the Bulls. Yeah, and you, you said a lot there. I mean, Lonzo being out, their point guard's going to hurt. Uh, I, I still was never sold on him. His brother is way better than he is, and, and that won't even be close for years to come. But they've got a good a good three, though. I mean, they've got DeRozan, they got Vucevic still, and they got Levine. So if, if they can still gel and score a lot, I mean, they could be dangerous. But again, the East got a lot better. It, I feel like it's, it's kind of half and half now between the East and the West. So it's going to be really hard for the Bulls to do well this year. But if they could get healthy, you never know, honestly. I think we all did a bit of a double take when that Woj bomb first hit our phones. Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs? First thought, oh, Knicks. Second, what exactly is Cleveland's ceiling? And after an entire offseason and preseason, it's clear that question won't get an answer until we see it in action. On paper, the move makes a whole lot of sense. The Cavs were impressive last season before injuries killed their momentum, and their lack of an out-and-out score meant they crashed out in the play-in stage. While Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen made for a daunting regular season trio, it was clear they needed a guy who could just go and get his own shot when things got tight. Mitchell is exactly that. And the hefty draft price Cleveland paid is proof the organization believes he's the perfect piece to partner with Garland in the backcourt. Without needing to carry the burden of the entire offense like he did in Utah, Cleveland will be hoping for a more efficient version of Mitchell, who we know can keep up with the league's best scorers. Still, even with Mitchell, you feel Cleveland's ceiling will be decided by just how much Mobley improves in year two. Detroit Pistons. Fun, but bad. That's probably all we can expect out of Detroit this season. Cade Cunningham finished last season with a maturity beyond his years and will need to play mentor in his sophomore campaign now after the Pistons added Jaden Ivey to their backcourt ranks. Cunningham and Ivey is a one-two punch that could carry Detroit for the next 10 years, while Jalen Duran is an exciting alternate to the DeAndre Ayton deal that was floated in the offseason. Bay, Stewart, and Bogdanovich are all winning pieces, but in an Eastern Conference this competitive, don't expect the Pistons to sniff postseason basketball. The only thing I have to say about this, which was what you said, which was really funny, <laughs> fun but bad. If you're a Pistons fan, I am so sorry that he just totally destroyed you guys. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't expect anything from the Pistons this year. I mean, they're just they're so young, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're the worst team in the in the East. So yeah, well, the race to the bottom will be on from the moment basketball starts, and many expect Indiana to be one of the leading contenders for the worst record in the NBA. Indiana's in the middle of a rebuild, and Victor would make said rebuild an instant success. Guys like Buddy Hild and Miles Turner are almost certainly going to end up somewhere else before the season's end. While the Pacers move forward with Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, and rookie Bennett Mathurin. With the exception of P.J. Tucker's departure, not a whole lot has changed in Miami after a season that finished with a heartbreak in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's easy to forget that Jimmy Butler three-point miss and what it would have meant if the Heat had booked a spot in their second NBA Finals in the space of three seasons. 
Instead, Miami's once again a relative afterthought when discussing the East best, often passed over for the likes of Milwaukee, Philadelphia, or Boston. The reality is that Eric Spolster is just a darn good coach. Jimmy Butler has proven he's an elite postseason player, and Bama Bayou and the newly extended Tyler Harrow should only be improving. In truth, the only question mark is Kyle Lowry and what he is, now 36 years old. There's no ignoring the point guard's decline, but does he have one more solid season in him? There's a very real argument to be made that Milwaukee would have won the title last year if they had a healthy Chris Middleton. Of course, there's many more interesting what-ifs in the NBA history, so it's not worth wasting too much time on that hypothetical. But it is true that a Middleton-less Milwaukee pushed Boston all the way with Giannis Antetokounmpo doing more than any one person should ever be asked to do. Milwaukee will essentially run it back this season with the only addition to note being Joe Ingles, who is still recovering from a torn ACL suffered in September. If Antetokounmpo, Middleton, and Drew Holiday can stay fit, the Bucks have as good a chance as any team of winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Yeah, I mean, they'll still they'll still be up there. They still got Giannis there. Um, you know the Bucks are still going to be around. I would have liked to see them do more. I mean, like you said, adding Joe Ingles, he, he was a good player, but uh, again, recovering from a torn ACL. So you would have liked to see them go after somebody. I don't, I really honestly don't know the cap room situation, so I definitely could have played a part because uh, they want to keep their core together and all that. But yeah, Bucks are still still around with a healthy middle to now. Uh, we could see a pretty, a pretty, pretty dangerous team again. For the third season on the trot, this line rings true. The Brooklyn Nets are talented enough to win an NBA title. In 2021, that equaled a second-round playoff exit. Last year, a first-round sweep at the hands of Boston. This time around, the season's cast is beginning with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons in the starring roles. How they go and whether they're all still there at season's end is anyone's guess. Simmons showed flashes in the preseason of reclaiming the form that earned him three all-star nods and being the perfect third star to Durant and Irving, who have pocketed their trade requests for now. If all goes right, and my goodness, that's a big if, then Brooklyn will have the talent edge over just about every other team in the NBA. Yeah, I just, I mean, first thing I'm going to start off by saying is I want to see Ben Simmons touch the floor. I mean, like, (laughs) does this guy still play basketball, honestly? Like, that's my one thing I want to see. Second thing I want to see is that I want to see if Kyrie Irving can get on the floor too. And I want to see him and Durant together and Simmons for, for matter of fact, to see them all out there. Cause you're hundred percent right. They've got a great, fantastic core. If they can all play together and not all be in their heads. I mean, Kevin Durant, that's going to be a huge uh, hangover with them to see like, I mean, he wanted to leave this team and now all of a sudden he's, he's okay. Like, I mean, I just, I don't know how this is going to go for them. They've got the best talent probably in the league, uh, especially with Kyrie and Durant. But just how is this team going to gel after that whole offseason? Is, is Ben and Simmons going to come out there and, and actually be impactful and be a helpful helpful all-star, which he used to be a few years ago? So we'll see here. They're, they're the most interesting team to, to watch this year, honestly. Well, there's no Donovan Mitchell in New York, but Jalen Brunson represents a minor recruitment win for the Knicks, who've been rejected more often than a clipboard-wielding teenager trying to stop people on the sidewalk. While Brunson is not the superstar Knicks fans probably had in mind, he's the first above-average point guard they've had in a very long time, and that should make a big difference immediately. Brunson showed what he can do in the postseason. The 26-year-old comfortably doused his second-best player as they made their way to the Western Conference Finals. On a four-year, $104 million deal, Brunson should at very least 
help New York find some offensive rhythm and hopefully unlock the likes of R.J. Barry and Julius Randle. Randle will be one to watch, though. He clashed with fans all through last season, with Obi Toppin looming large as a younger, more popular option at the power forward position. It might finally be safe to be excited about what Orlando is building. For years, it felt like the Magic were throwing darts blindly at the draft board, just hoping one of their long athletic picks turned into something special. But things have changed over the last couple seasons, and with the selection of Paolo Benchero, the rebuild might finally have an identity. Number one pick Benchero looked every bit the rookie of the year favorite in summer league and preseason, while Franz Wagner's sophomore season could surprise a few who don't know just how good the German actually is. Wendell Carter Jr.'s development makes Chicago's trade look worse by the week, while Markel Fultz should continue to prove he was worth the swing Orlando took on him. The jury's still out on Jalen Suggs and Colt Anthony, but if Benchero and Wagner are as good as we think, that might not matter. Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. James Harden looks like he's lost some weight ahead of a revenge campaign. Tyrese Maxey is shaping as a legit third star, and the Philadelphia 76ers got better this offseason. All of that means Philadelphia should win a whole lot of games this year. With a full preseason under his belt and no Brooklyn-esque drama, Harden is expected to look a little more like the guy we knew in Houston, and he and Embiid will get more help this time around with general manager Daryl Morey adding DeAnthony Melton, P.J. Tucker, Daniel House Jr. and Montrell's Herald in a frenzy of moves that suddenly makes the Sixers one of the deepest teams in the NBA. There's still no reason to trust Philadelphia come the postseason, but this team with Maxi a hot favorite to win most improved player should be a regular season winning machine. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting thing to watch too. Uh, they'll definitely be in the top three. I'd be, I'd be surprised if they weren't, but it's going to be interesting to see with the reports that Harden is a lot slimmer I mean, this is the place that he wants to be. I mean, he's wanted to be a lot of places. So we'll have to see if he actually will come out and, and be that superstar that he used to be in the past with Embiid out there. I, I think it was a great move getting Tucker from one of the teams that, you know, just beat you guys from the playoffs, uh, from the Heat. That was a big move from them. Uh, it's a big veteran presence in their, in their lineup and in, in the locker room. Uh, I would. I'm gonna. Look, I'll be interested to see how this team does, but I, I could see them being in, at least in the top three for the East for sure. It's easy to forget Toronto won 48 games last season and finished fifth. Then you consider another year of development for their young care, plus the addition of veteran Ottawa Jr. And this Raptors team suddenly shapes as the dark horse of the East. They likely won't make headlines this season, but Toronto is stacked with talent, and Nick Nurse continues to be one of the best coaches in the NBA. Their success will likely hinge on what sort of leap Scotty Barnes makes in his sophomore season and if Pascal Siakam can establish himself as a legit number one option on a contending team. Yeah, this is a sleeper to me because I, I feel like the Raptors have got a have got all the pieces to be there. Um, it just depends on how well they'll gel again this year. And, and like you said, uh, Scotty Barnes, his, his sophomore year, will he explode to, to where the Raptors want him to be or is he going to take a step back? They've got, I mean, again, they've got the pieces to be a contender in the East. It's just going to have to see if they can actually gel together. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. It's not immediately clear what Washington is trying to do. Bradley Beal's making more money than he knows what to do with, and Christoph Porzingis is still doing unicorn things every now and then. But this Wizards team isn't good. The problem is they might be just good enough to rule themselves out of the victor sweepstakes. Moving over to the Western Conference now, starting with the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic means that no matter what the rest of the roster looks like, Dallas will probably always be a playoff team as long as he's on the court. 
All that being said, Jalen Brunson's departure will be felt, and nothing the Mavericks have done this offseason looks likely to offset it. If you're looking for positives, Christian Wood is a legitimately interesting offensive piece to come off the bench. Capazzo will help take the playmaking load off Doncic, and Tim Hardaway Jr.'s return is massive. Still, with the West and East looking scary, it's hard to see Dallas mounting a real charge for the title. The Denver Nuggets, only healthy. Jamal Murray is back. Michael Porter Jr. too, and all of a sudden Denver must be taken seriously when discussing who can realistically win a title this year. Last season, Nikola Jokic carried a band of misfits to the playoffs before eventually running out of help against the Warriors. This time around, he's got his number two and number three options, plus two big offseason additions and Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And to that, Bones Highland, who established himself as a guy who can make his own offense, and the Nuggets have a six-man-of-the-year contender who can help this team win a bunch of games if they stay healthy. Yeah, I think a lot of people forgot about Jamal Murray. I mean, he was projected to potentially come back last year, but, I mean, we'll see how this is. How I mean, he's had a full offseason now. His, his Hopefully his knee has gotten healthier. Um, Michael Porter with his back situation, again, that's going to have to be a, a big red flag and see how that goes. But if, if they can put it all together, I mean, like you said, Jokic carried this team in the playoffs with a bunch of nobodies really last year. So it, it's going to be interesting to see them. If they're all healthy, the West better look out because this, this was, uh, it wasn't last year, but I think the year before, one of the top two teams in the, in the West. So, I mean, who knows what could happen here. But with Jokic, one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA, uh, this, could be a, this could be a title contender for sure. With the pretty giant exception of Draymond Green losing his mind and punching a teammate, this offseason has gone about as well as Golden State could have hoped. Jordan Poole, recipient of the green right hand, was also the recipient of a four-year, $140 million contract extension. Meanwhile, Andrew Wiggins was also extended as the Warriors made sure to lock down two key pieces of the team that won a title last year. Talent-wise, the Warriors should probably be considered favorites to go back-to-back, but it's never that easy especially when you consider what Green has done and what he could do with the question of his contract extension looming large. Still, if you consider adding James Wiseman, the second overall pick in the 2020 draft, to a team that already includes Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Green, Poole, Wiggins, Dante DiVincenzo, Jamichael Green, Jonathan Kaminga, and Moses Moody, then you start to understand just how scary Golden State could be. The departures of Otter Porter Jr. and Gary Payton II will be felt, But if Wiseman can stay healthy and both Kaminga and Moody can take second-year leaps, the Warriors should be even better. Yeah, won't disagree. I I know they're a popular pick to get back to the finals and to win it all. But but if we just – I know we're going to talk about a couple more teams here that are definitely got health question concerns and stuff like that. But, again, with the Nuggets, talking about the Nuggets being up there, they're going to have a tough road. I mean, mean, it's not going to be easy this year at all. I know last year wasn't easy either. A lot of people didn't really even pick them to make to the finals. They've got a great team. Clay Thompson's now going to have a full off season, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, the Draymond Green situation is something to watch. But but they will definitely be up there. I'm sure they'll be in the top five uh, for the West. But we'll see what happens with them. Uh, Curry just does Curry things. Uh, you just know you can't count them out. You just cannot count them at all. Well, no team in NBA history has finished with the worst record three seasons in a row. And while the lure of Victor is real, you'd have to imagine Houston will be looking to play some version of winning basketball this year. 
Last season's 2062 record earned them the third overall pick with which they selected Jabari Smith Jr., who will team up with 2021 second overall pick Jalen Green and a host of other young talent. With Green, Smith Jr., Tari Eason, Aperin Sigun, and Kevin Porter Jr., this team will be about development, but should feature at least some desire to win basketball games. In Smith Jr. and Easton, the Rockets have genuine defensive wing talent, and the number three pick could establish himself as one of the most exciting two-way players in the game. Kawhi Leonard is back. Paul George is ready to, for the Robin roll, and the Los Angeles Clippers are once again healthy and ready to contend. How long that will last is anyone's guess. There may be no deeper team in the NBA than the Clippers who can go 12 or 13 deep during the regular season. Still, too much is being made of the acquisition of John Wall, who will be nothing more than a bit part player off the bench. The real question revolves around what version of Leonard we get and how long that version can stay on the court. The 31-year-old didn't play a game last season and hasn't hit 60 regular season games since the 2018-2019 season. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those teams that will will definitely contend with the Warriors, but we'll have to see, is Leonard's knee, is it healthy enough for them to get to get back to where they were beforehand. Um, we'll, we'll just have to see. And yeah, a lot of people are pretty high on John Wall. I mean, he's been a great player, but like if he can just stay healthy, I mean, it could be a great addition for them for sure. But Clippers will be, I think will be a surprise team for a lot of people this year. The sooner Russell Wellsbrook is off the Lakers, the sooner they can move on and try to compete with whatever they get back for the guards expiring contract, which is his only trade value at this point in his career. One can make an argument that a healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron James can crack into the ultra-competitive West playoff picture, but that's only with a bit more help, and that help can only come in a trade with Buddy Hill and Miles Turner, the two names floated in a potential deal with the Indiana Pacers before the season started. Still, it's hard to come up with any realistic move that makes this Lakers team a contender after the amount of roster mistakes they've made over the last couple of years, headlined, of course, by the Westbrook trade. Lonnie Walker IV was an underwhelming addition and one that raised eyebrows given who he's represented by. Meanwhile, Patrick Beverly and Dennis Schroeder promised more drama than production. Ben, I feel like people have short-term memory loss because almost exactly two years ago with a healthy LeBron and AD, the Lakers won the championship. The only reason last year went so horribly was all the injuries. And the aforementioned Russell Westbrook. Yes, besides, besides that. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, a lot of people have forgotten that, dude. I mean, you, you can't ever count LeBron out. I mean, you just can never count him out. This is going to be a big year for AD. I mean, he, I feel like LeBron put a lot into getting him, and now he's going to have to show up. I mean, he, he really is. He's going to have to stay healthy. He's going to have to be out there uh, a lot with LeBron. And, and a lot of people just forget last year, I know they give the Lakers a lot of grief for it, but like, I mean, you've talked about it a lot, a lot of injuries last year. I mean, LeBron was out a lot of games. Davis was out a lot of games. If they can stay healthy, they, they've got a great core. And if, if Westbrook can even, cause I don't know if they're going to trade him or not. I mean, there's just, there's been rumors going flying all off season, but if he could even just kind of get a glimpse of what he used to be in OKC, this could be a phenomenal team. So we'll just, we'll see what happens there. But I, you just can never count out LeBron either in any, any season. Westbrook's worked on his shot. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> he starts letting it fly from three. I'm always like, please don't, please don't. No. Yes. <laughs> drive, drive to the basket. Do what you do. Well, yes. drive. Yes. Yeah. Average or triple double, pass it off. Do something else. <laughs> just no threes. My goodness. Yeah. 
you don't got to be the guy. I mean, you already got LeBron there. You don't got to be the guy. Well, John Morant's Memphis exploded onto the scene last season with 56 wins, making their case as the most exciting young team in the NBA. Going into 2022, the Grizzlies are essentially running it back with a couple of exceptions. DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson are gone. And while they weren't headline pieces, they will be missed. On top of that, Jaron Jackson Jr. is expected to miss some time to start the season with injury. But Moran has looked typically bouncy in preseason, and Memphis will be hoping to get more out of Zaire Williams and 2021 first-round pick Santi Aldama, who's expected to start in Jackson Jr.'s absence. Golden State was pushed more by Memphis than any other postseason opponent on their way to a title. That should not be forgotten. Four future first-round picks in the draft rights to 2022 first-rounder Walker Kessler. That was what Minnesota gave up to land Rudy Gobert in a trade the NBA world is still trying to comprehend. It was a win-now move for a player who doesn't immediately make sense on a roster that includes another big man already making $34 million for the season ahead. But Carl Anthony Towns isn't an ordinary five, at least not on the offensive end. The 26-year-old shot 41% from deep last season and is probably the only center who can accommodate Gobert on offense. Still, the Twin Towers experiment is a risk. Anthony Edwards and Towns fell in six games to Memphis in the first round of the playoffs last year, with the former establishing himself as a genuine star in the making. In Gobert, the Timberwolves have shored up their defense and might have created a team that will be incredibly hard to beat in the regular season, but it's the playoffs where Gobert will have to answer the questions he's never been able to. Yeah, I, I still, they gave up way too much for Gobert, honestly. But we'll have to see how well they gelled together, him and Towns. Gobert's a great defensive player, always has been. Uh, we'll see how rim protection he does. Anthony Edwards, he started off slow, kind of gained traction last year, came out of his shell. They, they've got a pretty decent team, so we'll see if that Gobert can put him over. I, I personally don't see it, but... You never, I mean, you honestly just never know what could happen. If, if they could just get it going together, they could be a top team too, but I could also see them not making the playoffs. The New Orleans Pelicans added C.J. McCollum and then gave the Phoenix Suns the fright of their lives in the first round of the playoffs last season. Now they get to add Zion Williamson back into the mix, and quite simply, there's no real ceiling to what they could be. Since entering the league, Williamson has proven to be an unstoppable force when on the court. Healthy again and appearing to have cut some weight, the 22-year-old who has averaged 25.7 points and 7 rebounds to start his career could turn this Pelicans team into a contender if he takes another leap. McCollum, Williamson, and Brandon Ingram should make for a potent three-headed monster on offense, while the defense of Herbert Jones and Australian rookie Dyson Daniels should create a genuinely well-rounded roster to compete in a stacked conference. Any chances of a competitive Oklahoma City year went out the window when Chet Holmgren suffered a significant injury in the offseason. Then Victor put any doubt to bed over how he'll translate to the NBA. And now, it's hard to imagine Sam Presti isn't plotting a route to most prized draft assets since LeBron James. Josh Giddy, Jay Gillis-Alexander, and company will continue to develop, but you'd have to imagine with Presti calling the shots that this Thunder team will give themselves a chance when the lottery comes around. You know that meme of the dog with the mug and the coffee surrounded by a burning fire? That's Phoenix right now. Suns owner Robert Sarver has been forced to sell the team after a series of depicable allegations against him. DeAndre Ayton was brought back to Phoenix after a messy end to last season and then told reporters he hasn't spoken to head coach Monty Williams since that Game 7 defeat to Dallas. Oh, and Jay Crowder's requested a trade away. Now this 64-win team from last season looks more likely to capitate than challenge again. 
If we want to pretend like none of the above will matter, the argument for another son's charge is pretty simple. Not much on court has changed. Cam Johnson will step into the starting five, part of Crowder's problem, and everything else will stay the same, just with Chris Paul a year older. Yeah, this will be an interesting team to watch because they've been the, the top, one of the top teams in the Western Conference for the last two years. And I, I really do want to see Chris Paul win a championship. Like, I, I would love to see it. But with everything that's happened in this offseason with this team, it's, it's going to be tough. I was surprised they kept Aiton. They kind of got put in a rock and a hard place when they had, he signed that offer sheet. So they, they basically had no choice but to match it. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I could definitely see them taking a step back just because of what's happened. But, but you never know. They still got almost the same core that they've had for the last couple of years. But we'll see if Aiton, that friction with Monty Williams is really as big as what everyone's made it out to be. And you just, you just never know. But with Jay Crowder requesting that trade too, it's not going to help. I just I, I would like to see Chris Paul get a ring. That's I, that's what I really would like to see. Well, here we go again. I guess there's nothing necessarily wrong with what Portland's done as long as it's not wrapped up again and presented as a legitimate attempt at an NBA title. Damian's Lillard loyalty should be commended after years of playoff pain. But and forgive me for this, should it be asked whether keeping the 32 year old is in the best interest of the franchise? For years, you watched Portland's two best players, Lillard and C.J. McCollum, try their best and come up short as the reality of relying on guards in the postseason proved too difficult to overcome. It finally spelled the end for McCollum, who was traded to New Orleans last season. Who is the second option for Portland now? Anthony Simmons, another guard, who's shown in Lillard's absence last season. Sure, Jeremy Grant helps in some ways, adding some two-way talent to a roster that badly needs it. But Lillard is no guarantee to reach the heights of the past, and the West is so stacked that a play-in spot might be the best this team can hope for. The Sacramento Kings have been the joke of the NBA for too long, and those jokes continued on draft night when the Kings selected Keegan Murray with a fourth overall pick instead of Jaden Ivey, who is still on the board. But with Murray winning Summer League MVP and impressing in preseason, it's possible that criticism was unfair. Nothing more than a bad habit we've developed because of past indiscretions. Sacramento actually shaped to be a sneaky competitive team, not in the title sense of the word, with De'Aaron Fox and Menace Sabonis, the headline acts on a team that will lean on Murray, Davion Mitchell, and Harrison Barnes until someone trades for him. With DeJounte Murray trade, San Antonio committed to the tank. At the time, it came as a surprise. Then we saw Victor do his thing, and it all made sense. There's not a lot to watch out for in San Antonio this season other than the loss column. Danny Ainge is blowing it all up. First, it was Rudy Gobert. Then it was Donovan Mitchell. After that is Bojan Bogdanovic. Don't be surprised if Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson are gone at some point this season, too. The Jazz are embracing the suck. For the same reason, all the others are tanking. That's 7-4 teenager. Well, that's going to take us to our Eastern Conference playoff teams. Number one seed is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers. Number two, Milwaukee Bucks. Three, Boston Celtics. Four, Brooklyn Nets. Five, Cleveland Cavaliers. Six, Atlanta Hawks. Seven, Miami Heat. Eight, Toronto Raptors. Nine, Chicago Bulls. And ten, the New York Knicks. Ben, any disagreements there? Anybody you want to switch around? No, I mean, I've got something at the end. I I think you're going to be shocked at. But no, I I would agree with that. I think that's pretty good. I, I do like the Sixers being at the top spot. Uh, I think they're. I think they're going to jump up. You never can sleep on the Heat. They always seem to do well. But no, I don't have any disagreements at all. Well, in the Western Conference, the number one seed is going to be the Los Angeles Clippers, followed by number two Golden State Warriors, number three Denver Nuggets, 
four Phoenix Suns, five Memphis Grizzlies, six Minnesota Timberwolves, seven Dallas Mavericks, eight New Orleans Pelicans, nine Los Angeles Lakers, ten Sacramento Kings. Hmm, sleeping on the Lakers. All right. <laughs> Yeah. I've got low expectations that, that I hope that yeah. you know they can just like prove me wrong. I'd rather go in. I'd rather go in that way than have like high expectations. I I, I understand. I I would be the same way. Like I don't want to yeah lay it all out there. But yeah, I all right, all right. Eastern Conference champions will be the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers were a great team last year, and they've shored up some of their biggest weaknesses. Tucker Harold and a more experienced Paul Reed give them innings eating options when Embiid sits on the bench. That has been their major Achilles heel. The biggest worry for this team has to obviously be the health of Embiid. If the Sixers finally can avoid some bad luck, then they can beat every other team in the East. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but I never agree with Stephen A. Smith, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. This is, this is probably a perfect world situation kind of thing. I'm going to say the Nets are going to win the Eastern Conference this year. Ooh. I'm, going to, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say if they can all play together, I think they've got the talent to beat everybody in the East, but it's yeah. really that's really out there. I mean, they should. And they, they should on, on, on paper. Yeah. On paper, they <laughs> yeah. should. But yeah, but it's like what's going right. to translate to the court? Yes, I can't promise they're actually going to play. But yeah, I'll, I'll pick them and see what happens. Well, the Western Conference champion is going to be the Clippers. The Clippers have the versatility on their roster to play a ton of different styles in the playoffs. They also have perhaps the best coach in the league at making adjustments, and they have high-end star talent to carry them late in games. That's basically all of the ingredients that you need for playoff success. I'm just, I just felt like going crazy with the NBA, so this is what I decided to do. I chose, I chose the Nets, and then another end team, I chose the Nuggets. The Nets and the Nuggets. I mean, I don't know. The Nuggets are getting healthy. Uh, if Jamal Murray can go back to his all-star form, who knows? So we'll see. But I like the Clippers. I think the Clippers got it probably the best chance. This hurts my heart to say, considering I'll be cheering for the other LA team all season, but the NBA champion for this upcoming season will be the Los Angeles Clippers. A Clippers Sixers series would be a bloodbath. Embiid would feast, but the Clippers have a ton of guys to throw at Harden and Tyrese Maxey to slow those two down. The Clippers also have the deep personnel to withstand some nicks and bruises along the way. And I think Lou would coach circles around Doc Rivers as Doc loses in the NBA Finals to his former team. Something that probably won't sit well with him for a long time. That's a great final, too, because I totally forgot about Doc Rivers in L.A. Um, I I did not go Nets. I went Nuggets. I, I really They got the MVP, uh, two-time MVP and, and Jokic. I, I really think if they get everybody healthy... Um, it's going to be hard to stop them, uh, especially with the Nets. They're not going to have an answer for Jokic on the offensive side. So I, I, I picked the Nuggets again. Mine's are, mine are both kind of out there. So like, I feel like yours is a little more uh, better, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, who knows? It'll be interesting to see yeah. for sure. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this NBA preview here on Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. Travis and Ben signing off.